Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, a podcast on the FX television series Fargo. I'm Bill, and I'm here with my buddy Sharpie to talk about the most recent episode. Sharpie, what up? Hey now, episode eight, Blanket, coming at you. Coming at you hard with your little, tiny little... Blanky? Blanky. Did you have a blanky? Uh, yeah, I think I did for a while. I don't know if it lasted very long into my adulthood. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's beautiful about having things in the 80s is that like most people had the same things. Because there was no Amazon... There was no, you know, it was all the same big box stores and a lot of the same toys were the same. A lot of the same dishes were the same cups and blankies. I know I, my blanket was this little like yellow thing with this like border around the edge, all yellow, pale yellow. And I've seen, and I saw a lot of kids have that blankie. Mine was a baby blue. blue. Mm. Yeah. You know, seventies. Let's talk about this real quick. I feel like this will be the shout into your you know, if you're listening in your car or whatever it is you're doing, the shouting into the, how dumb are you guys? I was working pretty hard about the blanket thing. And maybe we will probably bring it back up as we go. But I just, there were certain things that just were not obvious to me about the show title. Right. Please send in your feedback here because I, I was struggling from the time we started watching the first watch. I was trying to figure out what blanket meant. Uh, and I was really going off on some abstract things, and I couldn't come up with the reason for the name of the show. You did text me a Michael Jackson's child joke. I did. You said, wait, you don't mean the show's about Michael Jackson's child? I often wonder what Blanket Jackson is up to, and where is he now? How old is Blanket Jackson? The answer is none of our business. <laughs> Sorry. I just finished watching The Crown, and I'm still stuck in this whole, like, why do we make these people's lives are business. It's none of our business, you know? Anyway. Blanket Jackson is 21 years old. <laughs> okay, geez. Thank you, internet. Now goes by BG, by the way. Okay, good. BG? BG. Michael Jackson's BJ? son. BG. BG. Formerly known as Blanket. Like you can tell by the way I use my exactly. walk? Exactly. Okay. Barry Gibbs. Let's talk, about, let's talk about the debtors of North Dakota. All right. Which one? <laughs> You know, obviously we did the pause game. I'm sure there are all sorts of people that work on the show that these are their names and it's fun for them. Yeah. It was interesting, though, that they were grabbing the ethnicities of these people. Yeah. John Sasquatch, who works on the show. Shout out to you. Um. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm talking about Marlon Everett, John Sasquatch and Blue Noyes. Is that what it was? Yeah. Blue Noyes or Noyes. Noyes. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Marlon Everett, John Sasquatch, Blue Noyes, all around six feet tall, which is kind of what I figured he was going after. He was going after white males around six feet tall, trying to find people that look about the same and are about the same height, which is weird that you, you in your debtor's book, have like heights and stuff. <laughs> I, for some reason, thought the one first column was like WH was for like white WH. And there's, but Everett is WT. John Sasquatch is an A, and Blue is a B. And he's also six feet tall and has black hair and black eyes, which I thought was a bit interesting. Black eyes. Yeah, go back and look at it. But yes, they are. They're both, there's, they're six feet, 5'10", and six feet. But Blue Noise is 131 pounds, so I'm, I was confused. Maybe there was more than one he approached. Maybe this we were only seeing a few of the selections. Sure. Because both Everett Marlin 
and John Sasquatch owed a very similar amount of money as well. Mm. The question I thought was to do this, to change their name, did they wipe their debt clean? Or was it, nope, you don't get to choose. This is just what's happening. I mean, I assume they got to wipe their debt clean, but you never know. They could have been like, well, or you, well, what, we'll, we'll not charge you some late fees. <laughs> but that's a pretty big deal. I mean, a lot of hassle going through there. So I'm going to, I like to think that their debt is wiped clean. I mean, look at that book. They've got so much. Interesting, though, his desk from that top-down shot, all the kind of gilded-looking things. I didn't have time to really think too much about it, but it's and he's got a nice uh, bottle of San Pellegrino on his desk as well, but incredibly highly organized, except for this black book. You know, everything's beautiful and white and cream and golden, and then this black book. And he feels like such a badass, doesn't he? He just feels like this mastermind throughout the episode, by the way. I mean, Graves thinks he's on top of the world and he's just like, he's this evil mastermind that's in total control and can do whatever he wants and mm-hmm. and uh, can control this little tiny sheriff in Fargo or in North Dakota. He really is on top of the world in this episode until he's not. I think this is sort of what we've mentioned, though. He relishes meeting out this type of, it's not really justice. It's just whatever it is. he's meeting out these things that he's he's outsmarting people he's lawyering right yeah he's like pinky to Lorraine's brain he Lorraine's really the one in control she's really the mastermind she came up with this idea probably i don't know i think he might you think so i think that's why i think that's why he's even more happy about it is that he hatched the plan and he's going to do it she's like we need to fix this we need to mess with this election he's like oh i I got an idea. Okay. And then his idea sent Graves to his grave. I don't know if it was this idea. That's the idea he had later. (laughs) One of his ideas, I guess, did. Because that was definitely his idea. Gator's new Porsche? Yeah. We learned in this episode that Gator really likes to fishtail it out of the yard. That's true. How great was this whole courthouse thing, though? Because when first watch this episode, you kind of you are as confused as the clerk in the courthouse, right? Yes. You're just like, what is going on? We went through this book, and then you see these guys in the background raising their hands, and he's like, and then she's like, and they're all changing to the same name, and it's totally catching me off guard. I'm just like, what is going on here? And they don't like do the reveal right away. It's it's still a couple scenes later, and so good. It is great, though, in in hindsight being 2020, when you look back and you realize that two of the guys are very similar height, about six feet, and the other guy's just a bit shorter at about 5'10", and it's it's squared up very nicely, and I think they do a nice job with that. But what I also loved about this was exactly what you said and the fact that it's kind of this, hey, it's the law. If people want to do it, and that's why the lady's like, hmm, okay, whatever. Yep. Ka-chunk, with her little <laughs> stamp. And it's just, it's kind of the truth though. You know, it has, it's really not even a statement about North Dakota or Fargo or anywhere. Hey man, if you want to, if I want to change my name to Sharpie, I can, you can do whatever you want, which maybe this is also a signal of, oh, I'm sorry. You can just change your name. Hmm. You can change certain things in this country, but definitely don't change the other stuff. How dare you? Yep. God is my... Okay, not going down that road. You can change your name and then it's... uh, I mean, you said it. You can change your name and it's reflected in the next scene at the hospital, you know? Mm -hmm. Dot doesn't want to sign out of the hospital because it says Nadine Tillman, not Dot Lyon, not Dorothy Lyon. It's not her name. 
I also feel like we've done a mild, uh, far, from our Fargo perspective, disservice, even though we've said we don't want to talk about it as much as season one. But I do want to put a few things in perspective that we've sort of glossed over. Oh, really? Dickinson is where Stark County is. Bismarck is nowhere near it. Uh, Minneapolis, which is near Scandia, is not near Dickinson. And I just want to put this in perspective. It's the magic of TV and film. But just so you know, Dickinson to Fargo is like four hours about. Maybe more if it's snowing. Dickinson to Bismarck is an hour and a half. Bismarck to Fargo, I don't know, 2.75-ish hours maybe because you got to go cut through some cities. But I mean, (laughs) Minneapolis to Dickinson though. So for Scandia, a Scandia person, or for Far to go from the Dickinson area or Bismarck, that's like seven hours. Or Scandia to Dickinson is almost seven and a half, eight hours. Just want people to understand. Yeah, not a big deal. It's less fun when you know. It's more fun just hearing. It's sort the city. Of, it is sort of. <laughs> it's more fun hearing the cities, you know. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's, it's but at the same time, I was just like, Whitfar is over there. Okay, he's from. But I'm like, what? What is this dude's region of as a state trooper? <laughs> he covers some ground. <laughs> he, he does. He's real. He's very clearly I ninety four. Can we give a big shout out to Drunk Jim who brought Whitfar into the scene for us at the hospital? Yeah. Did you uh, spend 10 minutes trying to figure out what song he was singing? <laughs> I did. Couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I if didn't. You know. I assumed you would go down that road. I was like, Bill's definitely going to want to figure that out. I've had a few times this season where I was like, Bill, stop it. This doesn't matter. But I'm just so curious because it's really a vision into the writer's mind. You know, hmm. what's, what's on their mind? Or maybe he's just an improviser. But I did think it's funny that they did name him Drunk Jim. Capital D. Capital capital D, drunk Jim. And he's like, am I under arrest? He's like, no, you're just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, think I've, I think I've heard that before. No, I've, <laughs> I've, yeah, I've been pretty close to that a few times myself. Are you arresting me? No. <laughs> you're laying on the ground, sir. Please get up. <laughs> I was definitely, actually, uh, oh boy, about to go down a rabbit hole there. Hey, you fall down drunk wearing rollerblades and a dress in downtown Fargo. One time. One time? Well, <laughs> you know where the train tracks are down by the Empire? And it's like where the train tracks are, there's not concrete. It right. switches to that like kind of rubber material that withstands the weather here better. Yeah, you can't rollerblade <laughs> across that when you've been drinking and you've decided as a group of people that you're going to raid your friend's mother's uh, like old prom dress closet mm-hmm. kind of thing. I was at that intersection one time in my early, very early 20s. Man, I can never run for office after this show. Uh, and there was a train. It stopped on the tracks, as they do in the middle of downtown yes. Fargo. And you've got a case of Miller Lite. It's 10 below outside, and you're just trying to get back to your apartment. Oh, is this when you lived in the Aggies? That's right. Oh. I crawled under the train. You're you're four blocks from home at best, yeah. and you just want to get there. Yeah, and you're so cold. I crawled under that train. And then r- right when I was doing that, it did one of those, kunk, kunk, you know, where it just moves oh, like an God. inch. Oh, there were a couple pebbles in my underwear after that. We've just confirmed for our listening audience that we are, in fact, idiots. Yes. Okay, let's, let's talk about the show here. Second watch for me was immediately, it opens just... Um, straight away with Roy, he shoves her a thing and is like, do this. And then she tries to give her either the zip top bag with some meds or something in it. And Roy immediately confiscates the only thing that could be a possible possession to her. Mm. 
I mean, we know this, but just such a dick out of the gate. This scene is just, it's sort of tough to watch, but also beautifully played. Even between the three of them, things are being spoken, but things aren't being spoken. And it comes off real well. What I wrote on my second watch is that it's just so intricate that there's these looks between Dot to Kim, Kim to Dot, Roy to Kim, Roy to Dot. And even though they're saying words, they're saying all sorts of other things with the way they're looking at each other, too. Everything has a double meaning. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody's kind of wearing this mask and could be communicating more than they are even, but still doing a very good job. Uh, And I think that's what makes it more interesting because Dot could easily like, you know, be like motioning with her eyes way more, but she doesn't. And same with Roy and same with Wit and same with Gator. Like they're all just kind of, it's like a, it's like a Wild West showdown a little bit. It's another also reflection of somebody who clearly is hoping to do the best thing they can, just like Wit Farr eventually does, but she can't because she is trapped. So to, you know, in some ways in this world of, I will, I will mess somebody up who means something to you. It's terrible. The amount of power someone like Roy seemingly gets to wield against so many people. And then we get the nice break from Drunk Jim. Yep. We mentioned it in the hot dish because yeah. I feel like this needs to be mentioned, though, that that it's very clear, uh, you know, speaking about the names, it's just very clear that Wit Far wants to address her by the name he knows her as because it matters. Oh, he's like, right. I'm not going to yeah. I'm not going to go down this Nadine rabbit hole. You're Mrs. Lyon and he is addressing her in a very proper and respectful manner. He's having a lot of looks with her. She. I think because she's a person who doesn't want to cause other people trouble is willing to just be like, I'm yep. Don't worry about it. I I'm cool. But, uh, I do think it was a slight callback because when he says I can help. Yeah, totally. That is just a, a, just a quick flitter of uh, season three to the minx minxy, right? Minxy, Mm -hmm. the, the robot that turns itself off. Uh, I hope Whitfart, he won't turn himself off. He's too cool. He's not a useless machine. He's, Deb, he's Whitfar. He's he's amazing. Boy, alternate realities, names, uh, the kidnapping that never happened, she mentions. Hmm. But she even sneaks into the middle of all that, though, Her how much she's still thinking about Wayne. Tell Wayne I'll be there soon. Mm-hmm. Passes you right by. but and, th- and then we get the goon squad that comes up. Well, I mean, when you saw that, what did you think? I wasn't expecting them to show up here because he tends to screw everything up and this seems like something Roy could handle, but... Of course, he's got to like wedge himself in with a couple of henchmen and calls wit Jay-Z. I mean, this guy is such a tool, but we know that. Have you noticed that he's only a tool in front of like a complete tool, though, in front of certain people? Yeah. And I'll yeah, I want to kind of circle back around to that. I also want to circle back around to um, you mentioned it. You mentioned how Dot says that never happened. This is not the first time she said that. It's the second or third time. So let's come back to that in a little bit. Okay. Uh, only, my, my last thing, though, was I just, I loved that the there's a quick shot to Wit when the chips were sort of being tossed out there and he pops his gun out of the mm-hmm. thing and it comes a couple inches out of the holster. But I thought a really good execution of showing that as a reasonable man, he, he understands restraint. Not just being outnumbered. I don't think he cares about the outnumbered. I think he's like, this is not the good situation and it's not safe. There's no winning in that situation. Right. So he decides to kind of like let it let it roll. Yeah. So that- we walk away from this and Dot's got her paper Dot's got her paper clip too. So that was a cool move. Do holsters do that? I'm not a gun guy. 
I wouldn't consider myself a gun I've guy. I've seen a bunch of different. Are they like? Well, don't. Yeah, that's the. You know why? Are they spring loaded like that? They, I'm sure they can do all sorts of things, but I just don't don't look that up because then you'll get served six thousand ads for that. Next thing you know, you'll be getting political <laughs> ads you never thought you wanted. Just don't look it up. Uh, that's I true. can also tell you about things you don't want to look up that I looked up today. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, too. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, you know, sometimes I like watching videos of people like shooting watermelons and stuff. Dang, does that screw up your algorithm? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I know you want to talk about this like little back and forth between Endure and Whitfar, right? Yeah, I just like the little I like the little tag tag team effort they've got going on. Um, they're similar characters. They're both super level headed. They're both uh, members of law enforcement. They're both kind of symbols of uh, Marge Gunderson, um, and I like it. And I miss it because we haven't had it for a few episodes, right? And I really like those characters. I want to see more of them. I want to see them start to make heads heads roll a little bit. Do you ever kind of wish that in this series as a whole, especially maybe if you were just comparing, say, season ones and five, I really wish that we would have got a a true duo. Mm. We we have a lot of duos between like Gator Roy and all these evil people. You got you Kitchen know, Brothers. You know, even just the relationship between Lorraine and uh d- dead danish mm. yeah wrench danish dig my own grave you know yeah wrench and numbers and i i just sit there and think what would it be like on this show if there were two you know you get the fbi's are paired up but somehow law enforcement on the good side or the protagonists here are always seemingly sort of alone mm-hmm. and it's kind of and i wonder sometimes it is kind of lonely when you think about it because you just wonder what would it be like if these two were in the same town and they were like Rocking it like uh, mm. like, like SVU, like Mariska Hargitay and uh, what's-his-face. <laughs> yeah, but that's sort of classic storytelling, isn't it? You've got the protagonists against these teams and armies of people. Yeah. These Rambos. Yeah. True. The only other two comments I want to just like throw into this just as like, I wonder if it's commentary on this was, well, one will come back later. We're putting a lot of little pins and things today. But I guess so. She also, she, she, she enters our scene, our, our world of this episode doing evictions, throwing out the elderly. Right. And I'll just, you know, I'll just skip ahead. And then she's sort of bookended in this weird awfulness where her car is repoed. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned up uh, where she's having to evict elderly people because- it's the same parallel that Wit is dealing with, right? Because Dot didn't ask for help. She didn't say, you know, please help me or I don't want to go with this man or this man's abusive or anything like that. She didn't say any of that. So Wit is obligated by law to follow the law, even though he wants to save her. He wants to take her home. He knows she's in trouble, but she won't admit it. She won't ask for it. She won't tell him. So his hands are tied. And that's the same thing yeah. that's going on with Indira. She doesn't want to evict these elderly people who probably can't pay their bills because inflation has been skyrocketing and the economy sucks and all this kind of stuff. And they're on a fixed income and they're they're probably helpless. But now she has to evict them. And West rents skyrocketed through the oil boom. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, this is a literal thing on Western North Dakota. Older people who wanted to stay out there and live out their golden years were unable to. There was a massive problem in North Dakota through the oil boom. That's right. Sorry. So anyway, that's yeah, exactly you're, right. you're right though. So yeah. she was having to do her job. She was having to uphold the law. So her hands were tied too. So they're both doing things they don't want to do because of this oath they took to uphold the law, which sucks. And here we have exact opposite of them, this other guy 
who is literally taking the same oath and doing whatever he wants. The way Wit also says, you know, she had that look like the inter- those internet hostage videos people watch. And I thought, aren't we all, we're so weird the way we watch all these things. Uh, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like we take such a, a thing and I mean, and I'm not, I don't want to get us deep down the rabbit hole, but I immediately thought of Killer Mike from, from the hip hop group. You know, I don't know if you know around when George Floyd's murder, he, he said, you know, he, he called it murder porn, the way we keep rewatching just awful things. And I just was like, yeah, hostage videos, these things. We are a weird species in that sense that we're just fascinated by that stuff. We've talked about, um, I think in this show multiple times how they mention a car wreck and everybody has to look a house fire and everybody has to look like, what is it? What is with us? Well, and why does the FBI never call anyone back? Yeah. And where is the FBI right now? (laughs) I'm what that's, you know what? This is an excellent point. Like I thought, okay, they're reminding us that the FBI is in play here. Mm -hmm. Those two are not just going to vanish. There's going to be something that has to happen in the next two episodes with the FBI. Yeah, I mean, there has to be. But to be honest, I'm so uninterested in them, in those two characters. It's kind of the government, though, isn't it? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, I guess. I mean, in so many ways, because they're not active and so many people in government right now are even sitting on their hands constantly, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's get down to the Tillman Ranch and back to the unfortunate scene in the abattoir. I wrote on my second watch that this whole scene, starting here and eventually going through a few things, but this first scene in the abattoir with Roy and Dorothy is, it is play-like, theater-like. It is theater-like, exactly, yep. It is just like there's very few shots there's not a lot going on, and it's what I love about it. And I have to wonder which episode, because both John Hamm and Juno Temple, the J-Team, got nominated <laughs> for an Emmy this season, and I am starting to do the whole, what episode did they submit, right? Because mm. I don't know what the rules are for Emmys. I think the episodes have to air in the year you're nominated. Yes, I'm pretty sure that's true, but I did not know that's how it worked. I didn't know it was like based on a episode. It, it's generally based on an episode. You submit an episode because they're not going to make they're not going to make people watch the whole season. You okay. can't do that. You submit episodes or, or sections of things. But I don't know this this scene between the two of them, the writing, the acting, the the most basic of cinematography just does so much for this scene. I just. I don't know. I, I hate to I hate to call a hostage scene beautiful, but it but it really is. And it's lit that way too. It's lit with lights coming in from the sides and from up top. I know that just sounds like regular lighting, but if you if you watch it again, you'll know you'll see it. It'll look like it's a concert stage. Yeah, and Dorothy though is the one for the most. I mean, obviously they're all in a little bit of light, but that opening scene where he's crouched on the floor chaining her. Mm-hmm. There's just this total like rays of light falling onto Dorothy. Lots of good dialogue here. Lots of great lines. Roy saying things what like... What stood out to you? Uh, well, I liked when he said, hey, I was trying to fix you. And she comes back with like a window cleaner pissing on a window. Uh, but my favorite line, I think, was actually from Roy when he says, the devil's dancing a jig on your tongue tonight, isn't he? Just a jumping and a jiving. I was trying to decide if that was him slighting multiple people. Mm. I wondered if he was trying to slight the Irish a little. And jumping and a jiving is a Cab Calloway song. So he's he's equating those things to devilish stuff. 
That's true. And there's been multiple Cap Calloway references in this season. Yeah. I, I like that too, because I did put that in bold. But, you know, the one thing that I thought was also very telling when Dot was talking about a new day coming, and it was so clear that she, even though she's been gone, she knows Roy better than Roy thinks. He, She just doesn't know. She says, you don't even have a plan, do you? She knows his lack of patience and planning. She knows he's impulsive. And of course, Roy leans directly into God has a plan. And he's like, you broke God's laws. You broke my fingers, my call. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think this is another commentary on the far right. And I hate to keep going political, but this, that's what this show is. Uh, I think it's another commentary on that because the far right has no plan. And they've been given many and many and many opportunities to show it and they've never had it they never had it when they wanted to repeal obamacare they've never they've never ever had a plan but but for some reason all of their ideas are the best and they live in these tiny little echo chamber bubbles where they just argue with themselves not not like across from each other but literally one within themselves they argue with you know when people do that and they play both sides of the story and they make the other side just sound absolutely crazy because it's all in their head and they're trying to justify their position. And they work themselves up into this tizzy until, like Dot says, she says, you believe it's the world that's gone mad. He's crazy and thinks the world's gone mad, but it's because he can't hear the sound of his own craziness. Exactly. It's like you're, and you're so frothing at the mouth. And I I also think, you know, it's that whole what you're talking about a little bit, too, just even if you remove the politi- politics from it, though, right? Like if you remove politics historically from it, it's also the religious, the, the overtly religious, okay. you know, even because there, there are very religious liberal people in some history of, of our, the world we're talking about generally that have done terrible things to people. And it's that mysticism, you know, like he falls back to it's God's plan. And he thinks he knows God better than anyone, mm. you know? And so that it's just, it's just whether it's the law or religion or something, all things that could inherently be valuable and good, right? Cause I'm not trying to be anti-religious with my discussion here. I'm just saying all things that could inherently leave, th- lead through certain ways of following it could lead to good things can also lead to terrible things. That's right. And that's tough. You know, I mean, well, tough, not tough, like Wayne needing his lactate, which we finally got that solved, that the mac and cheese and the lactate is for Wayne. Um, It's very Fargo. Some people might find it off-putting, the jokes about the midwife. Um, We're also very confirmed that Scotty is her daughter and Wayne's. Yep, that's finally their child. Tied up. Because it wasn't, no, it wasn't just her saying it. It was Roy saying, Scotty is fruit from the poison tree. Yeah. That's when I went, okay, now that Roy's even acknowledging it. But what I thought was also interesting in this whole breakdown, too, was he promises hand to God that if she begs him to stay and means it or whatever, right, he'll let her go. But it's another paradox. Does she want to stay if she says it? Does it mean it's true? And if it is, if she means it, he says he'll let her go. But how does she mean it? Does real does she really want to say, or is she lying? He, I mean, he presents her with an impossible situation, and but you have to wonder, will she do it? But eventually, she's just her promise is that she's like she's gonna break it, and she's like, my promise is, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> and I kind of like that. I, I'm not kind of. I like it. I like that he presents her with an impossible situation, 
meaning that's the only way that she's quote unquote. And then on top of that, it, it also it also means that she has to believe he'll live up to his word. Right. That to me is also <laughs> a very tough, tough set of situations. Right. And she might, um, she might believe him as word a little bit that she might be let go because in right now she thinks that Linda is still alive. What a harsh realization for her in this episode. The, we get we get a little bit of a visit from Karen who decides, well, now I'm going to meet out my backhand on this poor woman who, well, I, I can't. Roy hits me, I'm going to hit her because I'm not happy. I mean, it was a pretty good, you know, you know, one more wife, he gets a set of steak knives, which, by the way, is second place <laughs> in uh, in uh, Glengarry Glenross, right? I believe so, yeah. Second place is a set of steak knives. Third place is you're fired, I think. <laughs> Either way, coffee is for closers. But did you? What did you think about that? Just small interchange of Karen and Dorothy. I just, I was just wondering the whole time what Karen was told and how she makes of all of this. Like, because uh, it's a weird situation for her too. Uh, Roy, Roy wants his ex-wife back, yet he's still married. Yet he's married to Karen. Yeah, what does he tell that poor that poor woman? Right? So what is she thinking? Like, shouldn't she? What do you be, have to admit? Shouldn't she be like Roy? Like, she's out of the picture. I'm your wife now. What's the deal? Aren't you a family man? But he insists on having his ex wife back while he's married to Karen. I don't get it. I suppose a big part of the trouble is is that she's just for the most part not allowed to be questioning in front of him in in any situation, and she knows that. So maybe she just doesn't get to. Mm-hmm. She's she's in a bad place. Either way, they got to get to the debate, and they leave Dot there, and we get to fast forward to uh, Indira coming home. And uh, the minute I we got there, and I saw the golf clubs at the bottom of the stairs, mm. that's when I knew, right? Because he wasn't in the garage, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> well, why would his golf clubs be by the door? They should be in the garage. Yep. We really read a lot into this guy in the very beginning of the season. and We uh, were wrong. <laughs> he was as simple as he was made out to be. Just a good old-fashioned doofus. Yeah, he's going to be... He's probably Scotty's dad. They both play the drums. <laughs> yada, yada. And he's just a douche. <laughs> he's just a simple douche. Yeah. Well, we still don't know. He's not dead. He's not but dead. No, there's still two episodes left for us to feel something could happen to him. But maybe, maybe the worst thing for a guy like that is to lose Indira. Absolutely. I want to give a good shout out to the set dressing people and the design folks. Um, it, next to the bed, I have to look. I have to look sharpie. You know, I can't help myself. The no, the book on the top pile next to the bed. Oh yeah, I wrote it down. <laughs> and what is it? <laughs> It is uh, something about blockchain. <laughs> Blo- blockchain revolution. Blockchain revolution, yes. I hope it's his. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's Indira's trying to figure out how to get money quick. It's definitely... Oh, crap. Shit, you just raised a good point. I mean, I don't know. It is on the one side of the bed. But either way, it's still just good. So it's obviously people who are thinking about money and investing in wealth and how you can get money quick. Because that's what happens when you're really in debt, right? You're like, how can I get money fast? I need to fix this. Yeah. But when they do the reverse shot and she eventually 
tells the woman, you know, just get out of my way. And then they start talking and she's changing clothes and there's a book in the background on the on the thing. And the book on the dresser is Who's Your Caddy by Rick Riley. <laughs> These are real books, by the way. These are real books. But I just think just when you think things don't matter, there's a there are people behind all these shows with real jobs who read the scripts, understand the characters, and dress the set. Mm-hmm. Just as much as their wardrobe matters, so does the environment they're in. And I, I, I love this stuff. And I think they do. A, I'm saying it over and over. They do a great job on this show. Blockchain Revolution and Who's Your Caddy? Yeah. So <laughs> you, you made it. I, I automatically assumed that that was his book because uh, a lot of d bags talk about blockchain, and then and none of them, <laughs> that was my first thought. And none of them can uh, come up with a valid use for it. Yes, it'll come someday down the road, but right now, today, nobody's got like a really great use for it other than getting rich quick. But you bring up a very good point in that she needs money quick, so maybe she's just exploring all of these avenues to try to get themselves out of debt. While you're talking about the set dressing, there is a picture in the background of that bedroom too, which is like a collage where there's like a magazine cut out of a woman's eyes. And I immediately saw that right away and I... and. And I don't know if this is what it was for because it was such it would be such quick foreshadowing if it was, but I immediately thought of just somebody like looking through the blinds of a closet door, um, and and she's standing right in front of the closet door. So that's so in my mind, I was like, oh, somebody's in the closet because I mean, obviously that's just like a common trope in these types of scenes, but um, it's it looks like those eyes that you'd see in what was that R. Kelly song. <laughs> Uh, trapped in the closet. Trapped in the closet. <laughs> God, I'm so I'm actually so fucking sad that I knew that. Even <laughs> didn't we uh, watch the entire Trapped in the Closet opera? No, I did not. I've never seen it. Not even close. I remember <laughs> talking about it at the office when we shared space, but super unimportant overall. But yeah. I just thought, mm, yeah, I don't know. There's still stuff going on here. Period. But he's yeah, got who's your cat? He's got peacocks on the sheets, um, just like Roy does. Or not on the sheets, really? but yeah. Wow. Good for him. Either way, what's the line what's the line? You can you can leave the toilet seat up on someone else's life from now on. Yep. Great. I think we've talked Great about this line. before, but when you say the toilet seat up, does it mean both of the things are up or does it mean I Yes, I believe so. So you, what if the what is what if what is the middle one called? <laughs> Just the ring. That's the lid. the The lid is what covers it. The seat is what you sit on. Okay. The donut to me is the seat. The lid. Close the lid is what I would tell people. When you leave the seat up, then you got that bear thing, and then some poor gal or guy or whoever sits down to whiz or shit in the in the middle of the night it's gonna sit down on that kind of cold splattered business because men are a messy thing we've learned that through this show so as long as the seat's down but the lid's up you're good there are definitely seat down people i'm a lid down person okay always but i have friends who've been over to the house and you know some i know when someone else has been in my house because if I go into the bathroom and the lid is up, somebody who doesn't live here has been here. <laughs> well, I always leave the seat. No one's down. gonna be hiding in the closet. It's gonna be the toilet lid. But I'm like fifty fifty on the lid down. Why? Why? Um, this is the tangent we cannot get in. <laughs> We're too. F- we have not got far enough. Oh, no, I just tune don't, in to Sharpie and I's next episode. I don't think I think about it. It's a gross thing. I don't want to see anything in there, even when I'm not when I'm not using it. I want it covered. You could drop stuff in there. 
Your pets could put their face in it. <laughs> I guess. Your cat could jump in it, which has happened. Ne- none of these things have ever happened to me. Well, happened to me. I think it's an irrational fear. Uh, my had one of those over you know what we're not why are we doing this you know those over the toilet like organizers for people who need extra space in college yeah we had one had our toothbrushes in it. i always put the lid down one day i go down there toothbrushes in the toilet why roommate peed somebody bumped into it toothbrush fell off the little stand and the thing there and bloop wouldn't happen somebody put the lid down Dude, it's a giant hole. You put the things you don't want in your body. Your in. toothbrush would have just fell like next to the next to the toilet onto the floor we can't, we can't with all, onto the dried pee splatters. Let's let's and then you would have okay. Used let's it. bookend this. Let's let's bookend this shit show we've started. Do not here. cut this out. <sighs> let's bookend this shit show. She 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 takes control into her own hands. She leaves, and unfortunately, her car is repoed, which is capstoning the fact that she was taking back people's property because they couldn't afford to pay their bills. And now her mode of transportation is now disappearing. Thanks to her shitbag husband and the fact that she works. And in fact, she would rather have a wife too, maybe even a man or real man. Anyway, debate time, Sharpie. And I don't mean debate whether Lloyd or the seat are up. Well, Lars still has the Jeep. So she should take that anyway. Anyway, it's way better. Especially, of course, he drives a, of course he drives a Jeep. Only idiots drive Jeeps. Yeah, that's true. Oh, wait, don't you have a... Okay. Oh, yeah. Talk to me about the debate. All right. Well, it's the Stark County election debate. Deblate. Um, deblate. It's the Stark County election debate. It's a packed house. How many um, sheriff debates have you been to, Bill? A little bit of me wondered, was it more than a debate for that? You know, was it like a... Multiple because it it does say Stark County election debate, not sheriff de- election. Mm. Maybe the opening of this thing was we'll do sheriff, then we'll do some county commissioners, then we'll do you know. Okay, so, just saying, all of this is unreal. Yeah. Well, this is where we finally get that payoff from the very beginning of the show. Wait, wait, I want to say okay. this that I just thought of because you brought it up. I also never thought school board meetings would be this well attended, but if you got to put on a mask, there's going to be a shit ton of people there. Yeah, well, it's interesting <laughs> that you bring that up because that's what I thought of too. Very first episode, and we end this scene. We'll come back into the middle of the scene, but we end the scene with Roy punching out the debate moderator just as Dot punched out the cop in the school board meeting. So they both find themselves in trouble for similar things, even though hers was completely innocent. <laughs> one of them ended up in jail and the other one just left. But that's what brought them back together. Oh, gee shucks. Uh, in a bad way. But yeah, this yeah. is where we get that big payoff and we find out what Danish Graves has been up to and what a payoff it was. When they first kicked this scene off and you see these three guys in cowboy hats, I still didn't put it together. I was just like, oh, classic, just a bunch of privileged white men in their cowboy hats trying to rile up the crowd and win some points. <laughs> and then when and then and then she starts naming them off. Oh, this is Roy Blank Tillman, Roy whatever Tillman, Roy whatever Tillman. Then I was still like, oh, they're all related or something. And then like it took me so long. I'm kind of embarrassed to say. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, 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 oh okay. <laughs> the minute he 
he nods to her and he's kind of like schmoozing the the lady like what an honor <laughs> and then the minute he gets on the stage and i saw the shot down the stage i was like oh shit this is these are the name changes yeah and it's interesting how he denied the microphone and just said, and was just like oh they'll definitely hear me <laughs> cuz he's a fucking blowhard right yeah uh, you know, Danish is a stylish guy. You mentioned his desk and all these flourishes and everything's neat and tidy. He did a great job on the wardrobe. He really nailed it. He re- he got the exact wardrobe that Roy was going to wear. It, it's super close. And that's what I, I thought. There's no way he would know. But if you go back and watch the scene, the jackets are not the same color. They're mm-hmm. just the same shade, right? Right, and and I think that's all of us. Like I, I, I guarantee you, if you met somebody who says dress like Bill, they could be like, "Well, do you want me to dress like Monday, Bill? Because that's when Bill's clothes are usually clean, so he'll probably kick the week off in the winter with a flannel. You know, by midweek, it's a t-shirt and a hoodie. <laughs> you know, it's just as much as we all think we're kind of unique, we're not. You know, we we all we we have patterns and stuff, but yeah, they did a good job. It's all bland, drabby colors, and the hat—that's kind of his signature. That's his. Mm-hmm. That's Roy's mega hat. <laughs> so this doppelganger strategy that Danish and or Lorraine cooked up happened in real life. Did it? Yes. In 2021, this happened in a similar election in Russia. Please, oh, I was gonna say, please tell me it was Florida. <laughs> I have that down as well. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Tell me more. Uh, yes. This happened Ooh. in Russia where there's a guy named Boris Vizhnevkis was running for office and two candidates actually, actually changed, legally changed their name to Boris Vizhnevkis and they changed their look and everything. They shaved like him. They dyed their hair. They all look exactly like him. And you voted with their picture and the name. So it was three guys that looked almost identical in this election. And they did it specifically to dilute the votes. That happened in 2021. Then it happened again in Florida. <laughs> and you might remember this. This wasn't uh, that long ago. Was like, no, I don't. You don't? I try, I try not to. Hey, Florida, I just want to say this. There are many wonderful folks in Florida, even some listeners, some who email us from time to time. But boy, when you get a good string of Florida man going, it's hard to be like. So sometimes I'm just like, I don't know. I just assume it was in Florida. Well, it was. Basalt's capital of the United States. Yeah, there was a state senator. His name was Frank Artiles or something like that. He paid a guy named Alex Rodriguez $50,000 to split the vote between another guy of the same last name. Now, this guy didn't legally change his name or anything. They just had the same last name because when you voted, you only would see the last name. So there was two Rodriguez's on the ballot to split the vote. Oh, my. And then the Republican candidate ended up winning by like 32 votes. And it was able to like flip the House or flip the Senate to uh, Republican-held Senate in the state. And that guy went to jail. I mean, they got caught. And that, yeah. that, that stuff is going on. You can't say that these are the only two instances of this happening, but I, th- I thought the Russian incident of this was very interesting. The fact that they all did legally change their name and then they all dressed exactly alike. So that must have been the inspiration of this or it's just like a coincidence. It's hilarious. If so, uh, either way, I mean, but yeah, happened in Russia, happened again in Florida. It's probably happening all over the country because 
these people uh, can't win on ideas, so they got to cheat. Leave a, I don't know. I, I sometimes I just want to stay out of mass conspiracy theories, but uh, it happens. I just, you know what? I just want, I just want people to vote, and I want voter confidence back. That's all. There. End of my any rant that involves that. But uh, wow, we're a long way in, and we have so much to cover still. I mean, I already brought up in the hot dish the when he mentions the travesty, calling it a travesty, which to me is a very good Lebowski. You know, the mm-hmm. I did my best. My voice is all screwed up all the time this year. <clears throat> you know, Jesus Christ, Walter, why is everything such a goddamn travesty with you, man? When Danish leaves with his just massive satisfaction, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, at about maybe say tw- tw- if you. Purchase the program at 24 or 20 minutes and 54 seconds, Sharpie. And I have overlaid another image from a different season. Uh, did you see what's in the, the trophy case? Okay, I'm looking at the trophy case. Uh, no, look at the text message I just sent you. I have overlaid a season one photo with a season five photo, and there's a real fun little Easter egg there. <laughs> no way. It's the ball peen hammer? It's the ball. Well, it's not a ball peen one is the one thing I noticed, but I just thought it's just too weird. Oh, in the little trophy case, there's like some sort of like history stuff, a dinosaur and a a rock. But there's a but it's what's weird to me is that the hammer is just all by itself with nothing else. Almost. That's true. And it looks a lot like the hammer that Lester uh, bonks is his doting yeah doting's a strong word there doting wife with but and maybe a maybe a couple of pictures of ufos i don't know who knows yeah well dinosaurs are from another world i'm just just trying to stretch the conspiracies (laughs) and then we get to see we get to see uh we get to see danish pull away in his porsche carrera which is a freaking sweet car (laughs) just gonna say it oh also a nice tie to germany Mm. If, if we want to get on your uh sure your thing so we're joined we're joined next in the abattoir by dot doing her darndest to try get herself free you know she's already pulled the pin the cotter pin out and is trying to help herself to to no to no end but we we get this scene between her and gator that's interesting yeah, and this is where I think, so we learn a little bit about Gator. We learn he's the fifth boy in a long line of firstborn Roys. Um, and when his dad, when he was born, his dad considered him a pale, puny lizard. And now we don't know if that's true, and she's just trying to get under his skin. But um, when we see Dot talk to Gator about how he, she saw her, jeez, I can't talk. When we see... <laughs> When we see Dot talk to Gator about how she saw Linda and that she's alive and she talked to her and, you know, they're thinking about him or whatever. And you see that look in Gator's eye like, what is going on? Are you crazy? Are you mad? That was interesting. But what I found most interesting about the scene was, and I wrote this down, I was wondering if they're trying to get us to have sympathy for Gator because he like tears up towards the end of the scene and he's obviously sniffling as he's walking out of there. Um, so that makes me think, are they trying to make us feel for him? Are they trying to, he was such a douchebag earlier and has been throughout the season, but now I'm not so sure that he's going to have like some sort of horrible demise because they're trying to make us feel sorry for him. I think I, I don't know. I think we all inflect our own desires on it to a degree, but 
I do think they're trying to let us see that not all people who, I don't know, I have this correlation I want to make, but, but I, you know me, I don't like making the show overly political, but whether it's Paul, you know what, so I'll just remove politics. Sometimes there are people who are underneath or raised in certain people's environment that they just, the it's not to excuse what they're doing, but underneath there somewhere is possibly another type of person looking to break free or change or understand. Hasn't, hasn't there been a million movies where somebody you hate the whole movie finally comes around and does something amazing? Of We've course. We've seen it a million times, a million, right? Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be Gator. He might be too much of a schmuck for that to happen. But you'll notice you're right. From the entirety of this scene, from the minute he comes in the door, he is not swagger Gator, as I would call it, right? <laughs> He comes in, she sees him, and you'll notice she's not like, oh my God, what are you going to do to me? She's like, hey, she's trying to get free. And he's mostly like, what'd you tell the FBI? Talks about the being kidnapped. And when he talks about that, when she, you know, what is it? She says something like, why'd your house burn down? Why did that? Why is this happening? And he kind of has this look on his face. And I, you know, props to Joe Keery. Because he's kind of like, shit, I did that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, because he's no one else is there to see how he acts, right? He's not living it for somebody else that he's supposed to be fulfilling. If you pause on his face, he just doesn't look proud. He doesn't look sad. He doesn't look proud. He looks like a person who's listening and he just doesn't completely get it. And, you think I think you're right. They're maybe trying to get us to feel a little bit of sympathy or they're doing something or they're trying to show us that maybe certain people aren't as black and white as they may seem. Mm-hmm. People kind of live in the gray. Um, I think so, because that's what makes uh, seeing Ole Munch raise up from his back seat more conflicting, because now we've seen we've seen the little boy inside of Gator as he walks out of that den and and i call it a den because if you i mean look at dot's posture in that scene she looks like a lion in a den as she's talking to him and you know getting under him a little bit but when he when you see his eyes and he's tearing up a little bit and he's walking out of there trying to like psych himself up a little bit but also frustrated that makes the scene when Oli kind of like rises up a little bit more conflicting and a little bit more interesting because now it's like yeah. oh crap we just saw this guy's vulnerabilities and now this sin eater lurks behind him. Yeah. And it's, I, I talked about on the hot dish, there's a little bit of like sibling rivalry, but slash mothering that happens here where once he says something wrong, she unleashes kind of the meanest parts of herself. You know, I knew you'd be a loser for life. And she says it. And I think you're right. And you know what it's like. Okay. So if you live in like places that have like actual cold, the other tough part to remember though is like your nose is always kind of running a little bit from the cold because your, your nasal cavity is trying to stay moist because the cold here is very drying. So I'm with you. I'm not trying to say he's not okay. emotional, but the whole blotting his nose, I'm like, that's also just a product of the cold. That's fair. That's true. But oh no, I agree with you. But I'm just saying it's also one of those like, was it acting or was it just cold there? <laughs> So we've seen it and we're like, I feel this way. But you go back and rewatch it and scroll your way through it. And she says the mean, mean things to him. Mm -hmm. And he turns to her and he kind of like bottom lips it. You know what I mean? Like pulls purses his lips together, mostly leaning in with his bottom lip. And he says something to, you know, 
he says something like, I, I hope you never see your daughter again. And she's like, you don't mean that. And he says, uh, well, I wrote it down. Where was he? He's just like, yes, I fucking do. You know, you don't mean that. Yes, I do. And when you turn back to her, she, her lip and mouth just lightly quivers because yep. I don't think it's just that. I don't think it's just that she's worried about dying. I think she's hurt that Gator said that. I I, I think there is some sort of all the way back to like early episodes when she's like, really, Gator? You know, like, right. even in the house during the Halloween shenanigans, there's a moment where they're like, why are we really doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are we doing this? God, doesn't that feel like so long ago? Halloween. Yes. <laughs> but that's when we get to see Gator just full blown rip it in the sheriff's cruiser out of the yard. Yep. And we've heard the noises and we, we get to see Whitfar and. Uh, kind of standing his ground, so to speak. Yeah, it's another Wild West showdown a little bit. Where he doesn't act. Exactly. Someone acts quickly and without reason, and somebody says, hmm, I'm going to hold off. Yeah, and it's truly shot like that, you know, one-on-one, standing 10 paces away or whatever, um, and two men, you know, about to draw their guns, and one does. Yeah. Nice little shot, Ray, when we get there, we do get to see uh, from the reverse shot, you get to see the little church in the back, way in the background, too. Pretty cool to kind of get the lay of the, the Tillman land. I, I'm pretty sure that's what that is. Way in the back, there's that white little chapel-y thing. Yep. I didn't catch that he popped the bullet through the windshield originally, probably because I was writing feverish notes down. <laughs> that's the downside of my first watch is that sometimes I look down and I'm trying to correct my typing, but... Dumb move. I mean, think about, think about the mound of paperwork that that one shot is going to create and just point yeah. right back to the Tillmans. What do you make of the whole idea, though, that uh, here's what we didn't talk about in the hot dish, and we're just going to mildly speculate for a sec. Oli Monk is in the backseat of a, <laughs> her behind a, a gate that you can't get through. So, I mean, I'm sure you could maybe bust a bullet through there if you put the nozzle up, on a, or the muzzle, nozzle, really? <laughs> Somebody nozzle squirt guns on the nozzle, the nozzle of the gun. He's got a super soaker of cyanide back there. Is he going to outsmart him with wits? Because maybe it's equally that he can't go back and you can't get me. I'm back here. How's he going to get out? Like, he can't kill him from back there because he's not going to be able to get out. Well, that's the other thing. You can't <laughs> open the back seats of I've. You've tried. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I You know what? Just. Okay. <clears throat> I've been in a cop car once or twice. Twice, I think. Once on purpose. Once not on purpose. Okay. Uh, I'm fine. There is no record. Don't Google it. There's nothing. I was young. I was, I was mis- what is what was it? What's this dumb thing they used to criminal mischief? That's what they always wanted to call mm. it. Bullshit. Anyway, skateboard <laughs> where I want to. Okay. People are learning things they don't need to know. Um Yeah, what's he doing back there? You can't open those car doors from the inside. I don't know. Only man. time will tell. <laughs> only maybe only time will tell. Uh, there's no way to like quickly disable it, is there? Otherwise everybody'd be doing it. But isn't it also, you know, we're talking a little bit about our own like human, oh god, I just want to see somebody get their just desserts. I don't know, isn't isn't watching this kind of like I mean, thank God it's just like fiction most of the time these days. You know, this is this is our Roman amphitheater, right? The Colosseum. Mm-hmm. We're, we, we, we literally want to see somebody. We're talking about who can't we wait to get murdered. Yep, murder like, porn. What, what's wrong with us? And immediately you pop it up and it just washes away any small about like Oli pops up and all of your feelings that you're like, maybe Gator could be good. And then he pops in and you're like, kill him now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then he cut to a commercial and you're like, ah, damn. Yeah. 
Get a Snickers. Yeah. <laughs> Snickers, the thirst maker, fresh maker, <laughs> the punch bowl. I'm just kidding. This is why we don't have advertising. Uh, yeah, it's true. We end up okay. at, so we end up at this, um, take me somewhere else. Okay. I'm gonna, me, I'm gonna, get me out of this. I'm going to take you to the Rushmore grocery store where Danish is obviously on his way to go see Roy Rushmore grocery store. By the way, call back to what season is that? That's uh, season two. Yeah. Season two. We saw Rushmore grocery store, uh, episodes lop lop and the castle is where we first saw the Rushmore. And that was in the, when we oh, were like hanging out in the Sioux Falls area. Uh, but I loved that. I love seeing the the Rushmore store. I me- immediately made me think of that season. It's my favorite season. Love all the seasons. Love season two though. It's the it's the place where uh, the the phone booth was that that uh, Ed uses trying to get a hold of the well the G- G- Gerhards. Yeah, I I really don't remember previous seasons as well as I should. Maybe we can the get uh, Dodd on the show. That guy hangs around here in Denver. I've seen him. I've seen him really? around. Huh. I don't know what his real no. name is, actually. I'm sure he would love it if you just call him that. Yeah. Hey, Dodd. <laughs> Dodd Gerhardt, right? Actually, the person I, you know, never mind. We're not not doing it. How much did you like? The, I want to talk to Hansi. <laughs> I want to visit with Hansi. That guy is great on so many shows, yeah. and I need to watch Reservation Dogs. Is that the show? Yeah, I watch it. It's awesome. Oh, is it good? He looks like he's so good. And I mean, he's good in Longmire and some other shows. Okay. It's also, you know, it, it's good. It's got comedy. It's dark. Uh, and it's a little bit depressing. I mean, we kind of, we, we've grown up in North Dakota and, um, you know, Zach McLaren, Zane, Zane McLaren. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to say his name wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize. Sir. <laughs> <sighs> uh, and you know how rough, uh, some of those people have it on those reservations. And so that's yeah. what it, it hits a little bit close to home because, um, those people need help and they're not getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. so that's where it's a little bit hard to watch sometimes a little bit depressing. Um, but it's a great show. Everybody should watch it, support the show. Yeah, I think it's on my list for like a very soon thing. So how did you, how much did you like Danish having basically four, five numbers in his phone, four of them being Lorraine and one being Wink? (laughs) Those are all his friends. That's his, this is his whole world, you know? No, the one thing I realized is people keep thinking there's only two people on the list and there's actually three. Is there? Yeah, one is Lorraine Cell, one is Lorraine Office, one is Lorraine Home. Oh, the secretary. One is Lorraine's secretary. Right. What I love is that the secretary doesn't have a name. Yeah, it's Lorraine's <laughs> like, secretary. It's like it can't say Jeff or Amanda or whatever, just Lorraine's secretary. I'm just imagining that Lorraine fires a lot of secretaries. Well, maybe it's the actual secretary like like desk. Because you know there can be a desk called a secretary. Maybe it's just that is true. Part of the home that is ooh that is true. But I like yours. <laughs> maybe maybe no. Maybe I like that. Maybe that's this, her desk in her office at home. Right. All these all good ideas because it has its own number. <laughs> I also just thought it would be funny that it's just the secretary doesn't even have a name because why well, know who the name is because Lorraine goes through them like crazy. Okay. So these two these two gents have a little conversation here, and I'm I don't know. It's a little not, confusing is not the word. It's just very obvious that that the the groundwork is laid down for like why he can't just go onto the property, not just the danger because it's just not legal and he can't do it. 
Yeah, and and here we are again with Danish kind of thinking he's this authority figure, kind of thinking he's this mastermind, but really not grasping what Wit is saying, and it's kind of making him look a little bit dim, is it not? When he says, what are you saying? I wrote, do they not understand that Roy is a killer? And I, uh, it makes me wonder if somehow, sometimes um, money underestimates violence and power. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, Danish, you're out of your fucking element here. Yeah, I think he's out of channeling his element. My John, uh, channeling my John Goodman. Without a doubt, he's out of his element. I don't know. He doesn't. He has so many choices he could make that he doesn't in this episode that I don't... I would, I mean, like, I'd kill for a conversation about this with somebody on the show. Like, can you explain the background of this? Or do you just be like, well, we got to get him dead eventually? I read an interview with Dave Foley. It was somewhat interesting. And what I liked, man, how was it? Tell me, or no, don't tell me. Well, what one of the things I liked that he said was uh, he he spoke a little bit to how hard it was, how challenging he thought it was, which was surprising to him to act with an eye patch because you 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 lose out on a very good tool, your eyes within acting. So you only have the one eye to work with. And I thought that was interesting. I would have never thought of that. The moment I actually was thinking about this, I thought about the eye patch and this these these consistent one-eyed men and left ear problems and is he dead because he doesn't have peripheral vision because your peripheral vision is a very serious lifesaver for you in so many ways in the wild (laughs) being able to see things not coming at you from one side and that's what makes me wonder did he overestimate his game or is that what they've been trying to tell us is that he is sort of not short-sighted or myopic necessarily but he's his vision is limited. Mm-hmm. His field of vision That's is true. truly limited. That's it. Mm. That's good, Bill. That's good, Bill. Well, well, I'm glad I, I, well, I didn't actually write that down. I just thought about it. I thought it was dumb. And then until you brought it up, I wasn't going to say anything, but okay. Thank you. Back at the Tillmans. Karen, I swear you're a bag of bolts in the brain department. <laughs> <laughs> what a good line. This guy's not in the show that often, Odin Tillman, but he sure delivered here. Just one more man putting another woman down for just trying to do something. Because she wasn't even trying to do anything mean. Nah, she's... We really are the worst men. Fucking E. I just want to make sure we mention really quick. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know why. But The Shining is all over this show. The fucking Bopsy twins in the (laughs) backseat. I mean, like, no adult I know would ever sit... We used to call that the hump in my days. You know, when you had to sit mm. in the middle, back when the tranny <laughs> would run through the middle of the car and there was that lump that would run through mm. the middle of the back, you know, in between the driver and the, and you, so your feet, you, you either had to straddle, your feet had to sit on one side of the hump or you'd be small enough child that your didn't matter. Your legs weren't that long. So I always had to sit in the middle. I was even so small at one point because car seats were stupid. You would just fold the little armrest down and that's what I would sit on as a child mm-hmm. <laughs> in the car. Karen is flanked by these two children who, man, they just, they just, I'm sure they're beautiful little gals, but boy, they're just, they're kind of, they, they paint them up pretty creepy in this episode. Yeah. They're a little creepy here. They're buttoned up to um, no end. Same thing at the, at the debate, they were very symmetrical and even behind the twins at the debate, there were two silver headed guys, one behind each of them. Yep. It was all very like Wes Anderson symmetrical kind of stuff going on. Yeah. It was just, it's everywhere. So all this awfulness, just two terrible men talking down to Karen when all she's trying to do is 
you know, sort of console her husband, I, f- I thought at first, but on the rewatch, because trust me, this will lead us to the walk. I actually think what she's doing is stirring him up hardcore. Yeah. She's super stirring. That's exactly what she's doing. In, mm-hmm. in, in a really bummer way, because she resents her that she's there under any situation, good or bad. And she's just like, well, this, it's, what does she say? Something about like, it's like her sins rubbed in our face and she's the albatross. Mm-hmm. She's, she's mocking your piety, the things we believe. Blah, 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 and it's just like, poof. and then Roy goes from like stern kind of stiff upper lipping to all that stuff. But the last thing I'll mention about the kids is that <laughs> there's that damn one trike in the yard. Which I'm like, ugh, gross. That sets him off. She lights the fuse, and that fuse is burning for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Two uninterrupted minutes. What a scene. How awesome was that? If there wasn't an episode that they wanted to submit for the Emmys, this would be a good one. Because of both of the, the scenes in the abattoir and this walk. I mean... Come on. How fun was that? I had to rewatch it and then I rewatched it again. And I'm going to find out later because I do eventually go read things, but not before we record. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to guess that people are torn on this. Okay. I only think it because I think people's attention spans have changed a little bit. And that they can't handle stewing and things anymore. And maybe this is just, you know, give me the okay boomer if you want. That's fine. But I am with you. I was here for the walk. I wrote Roy's long walk to Britney Spears Toxic, which interesting choice. I'm not going to say I like it or dislike it. I'm unsure because I was more caught up in the, it's not a true oneer like Steven Spielberg. But I mean, how many... How many changes of emotion do you did you catch? Because I bullet pointed them out to what I was seeing. Oh, really? Let's hear it. You see him get out of the car and he's kind of thin-lipped and is just like, he originally just wants out of the car, right? So like around 31, 25, he's just like, I want out of the car. And I don't think it's what she said. I think it's he's tired of this woman in his ear. And then he gets out of the car and now it's all kind of hit home and he's kind of like weirdly pensive about it. And he's sort of weirdly like for quite a bit of that walk, he's doesn't his brow isn't as furrowed. He's kind of like, I don't know what's oh, why am I so I don't know what I'm feeling about this. Mm-hmm. And then he eventually gets to this moment where you'll notice it's all in his eyes. I mean, this is this is a ton of acting mm-hmm. without words from John Hamm, and I mean some some people who've written in of like, man, you have got a man crush on John Hamm since season one. I got called out on it, and that's fine. I because I do really like John Hamm. But then he gets like so there's like kind of hurt, then there's growing sad that sort of moves towards angry. And then you get like past like that camper, and he goes kind of like weird and brooding to me. And then mm. And then there's a moment where you realize he's unsure because here's the deal. Somewhere on this walk, this person is thinking about what was just yelled at to him and what's going on. And they're walking and they're walking and they're walking. And I do think there must have been something that happened because I was like, I wished it would have been a wonder from this perspective all the way. But then once he gets 
where he's going around that barn, they they do a reverse shot from behind him, and then they cut back, and that's where he's still sort of brooding, but just like starting to boil. And you'll notice there's a moment at like thirty three twenty where he just grimaces like, oh Jesus, and he turns the corner, and now he's he's in my opinion is super clearly set and this is the first time after your what you said how many minutes two minutes i mean what did you okay so let's just go with that what did you see over that two minutes like what was your because you obviously timed it and you knew something what did you think no that's just it i mean i was i was watching his face the whole time i actually like it stopped me in my tracks i put down i i i put everything away as soon as this started because about 10 seconds into it, I was like captivated. And I was like, oh boy, this is going to be good. I was not expecting it for it to be two minutes, but I was along that ride the whole time. And I was like, I was tunnel visioned in. I, I didn't go, I didn't go bullet point out all the emotions like you did. I just thought it was great television. I rewatched it and I backed it up because I thought, oh my God, someone's going to say this is too long. And I was like, no, there are like four to five things that happen in this scene without words. And I was just trying to be like, what is this character thinking in his head? And I thought it you know, might have started with fucking lady, this woman that I'm married to now and her dad are in the car. They're just fucking fucking with me and they won't shut they won't shut up and who what who the hell do they think they are putting three dummies just like me and creating a human echo chamber on the stage and what is going on and who is this for fault and he's like yeah I mean, maybe she is an albatross and it's but it's nadine and maybe there's a minor amount of weird longing for him that he'd actually rather you know as a sick person would rather have nadine than karen and what is happening in my life and where am i going and maybe he's even having a moment of like oh, dear god please help me and then eventually he realizes he's angry and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What I think is the most brilliant, and I'm glad they didn't, because sometimes you don't have to see everything. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. They do a good job of kind of speaking to domestic violence here. Yes. But not having to, you know, exactly show it as much of a murder porn boner as society has. Yeah, and I, I mean, as the show has pointed out many times, there are scenes of domestic violence. If you, you know, seek help, call somebody, get out, take care of yourself. Um, that said, uh, he goes in, dude, and you, and I, wait, did I already bring this up? I didn't. I want to back up a whole bunch. You called it out really early in the season. Maybe I am repeating myself, and I'm sorry. It's just we, we both talk fast and furious. You brought it up very early in the season, like probably somewhere around when Gator and Roy were at the couple's trailer house that you said something to the effect of like Roy breaks tries to break women the same way you break a horse. Yep. And here we are in this same sort of situation. And when we see him go, and this is what we were talking about, you don't have to show everything for it to have impact. They show Roy go into the abattoir and everything from there is audio dialogue and it's um it's noises and the chain jangling and she says no roy what are you doing no roy wait and he says something and at some he's like don't do it Nadine and then there's a whimpering and then but odd enough if you watch it back with the there is a horse snorting noise don't know why but it says horse snorts in the closed captioning. I don't know if that's in there by accident 
unfortunately, storytelling done well uh, about something awful. I, you don't have to see it. Anyway, it just you can do a lot without doing the standard of things. And yeah, this eventually plays into Roy standing over a very exhausted Nadine and some gross commentary. Yeah, and in this scene, Dot says how she's going to get out of here. She's done it before. And then what stood out to me, and this is coming back to one of our pins from earlier. Okay. Roy says, no. See, you've always been here, Nadine. It was the rest that was just a dream. I thought that was mind-blowing a little bit. Yeah, so let's go down this conspiracy rabbit hole. Okay. This episode's going to be long, isn't it? (laughs) Well, I mean, we don't have to go for too long on this, but I mean, come on, like, multiple times. So this is the pin I'm coming back to when I said, let's put a pin in this where Nadine, or Dot rather, has said multiple times regarding the kidnapping, Mm -hmm. that never happened. Now, Roy is saying, you've always been here, Nadine. It was the rest that was just a dream. Are we getting a little bit too crazy here to say maybe all this previous stuff really didn't happen? And has Nadine or Dot been, why do I keep calling her Nadine? Has Dot been chained up in this thing for literally the entire season? And her entire life has been just this dream as she stares out at this windmill? Huh? It's a conspiracy theory. The Earth is flat. <laughs> the difference that they can't see we is... We never went to the moon. They can't see... The listeners can't see me looking at you like... Uh, <laughs> you're not on the grassy knoll, Sharpie. Okay, okay, Only, okay. Well, here's why. I'm gonna... I like it. I, I like that part. Or I think it's... Oh, man, I, never mind. You got me thinking a little bit here. So... Well, don't think too hard. I mean, I don't actually believe that, but uh, it did... S- it did send me into a little bit of an inception moment. Yeah, I think it's well, maybe because we've already had moments where Roy has been token up, laying in bed, and is envisioning Nadine and the life she has. Is that Roy envisioning it? Is it the is it the storyteller that is TV and film envisioning that for us? And Roy was seeing nothing, and we're just seeing that because that's what they're wanting. To say. You know what I mean? Like, right? Who's mm-hmm. who's really in control of the narrative here? Um, us or or Noah Hawley and the directors and the actors. I mean, really, the narrative the, the narrative of every story is ourselves and how we decide to take it. Wow, we're getting fucked. Jesus, you want you're in Colorado. I'm in North Dakota. Will you pass me that we joint? Smoke. <laughs> Jesus, this <laughs> this bourbon I'm drinking is nowhere near enough to make me talk this bananas loopy. But uh, no, I'm with you. It's the what's real, what's not, what's happens, what happens in our mind. But what I kind of dig about what you're saying, though, in general, though, is her dream state is sort of being broken in this episode, though, if you really think about it, right? She, she still mm-hmm. hasn't completely put it all together. She hasn't. Until no. that window breaks, right? Until she exactly. breaks the window. She's she's not there. And um yeah, it's tough. I'm with you, but I I don't know if I... The same reason you don't fully believe it, I don't either. Yeah, I mean, the window... Yeah, she breaks the window and things start to become... She breaks that dirty window and things start to become a little bit more clear. And she starts to realize, oh, St. Linda. St. Linda. 
How did we not put that together when we were watching it? She, her name is Saint Linda. Of course, she's dead. Yeah, you can't, you can't be, a be a saint, saint be alive. until you've died. <laughs> and and after your death, you have to have d- done something. You know, there's there's all these rules to how you the beatification of. Okay, okay, we're not going down my random religious rabbit hole. Um, oh. can we talk real quick too about right after they do a very good job of putting a lot of meaning into a very short period though, the end of Roy's long walk to what happens and all we hear is noise and it's just startling and raw. And then it comes back to this. I remember this game, but did you realize that from the minute the, the, mm. that we get back in, there is no music. There is no anything. It is silence and actors. So we're back in this like early thing that you and I said was like, this whole scene is like a stage, except now the stage is a little different. And this is where they have that actual struggle and fight. And she gets the jump on Roy with her leg over him and, and Mm. is in chains, but go back and play it. It's a, it's startling struggle. It's gotta be very hard for some people to watch. Um, uh, and at the same time, though, you're just there's nothing. There's no music. There's no sad things to help drive your feelings. It's ex- just exactly what it is. And he starts just once he gets that 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 bolt out of the not bolt, but that that little thing out of the floor. He starts just like ripping Revelation seventeen five, dude, which is the. Um, yeah, that that's the whole. The, what what is referring to is the whore of Babylon, and eventually, this just massive struggle of wits and will, and mm. all of these things is broken up by a guy going, "Yo, Danish Graves is here." <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And he's just he makes that just awful. Like the lesson's not done yet; he's close to being finished. And I wanted to be like. This is another moment, though, to a little bit of a degree where I was like, you weren't schooling her. He really wasn't. Like, she had the upper hand for a pretty solid chunk of that. And it's like, hmm. it's like half his size, far some smarter, much stronger willed. And he's, he, of course, he just can't admit, oh, I'm sorry. By the way, the good and strong and just Roy Tillman just got fucking almost hogtied with a chain. <laughs> <laughs> by by Lorraine Ly- Lorraine by by Dorothy Lyon. Uh, well, no one was here to help me, and if I would, because if he wouldn't have got that out of the floor to back her into the wall, I don't know. She could have fucking MMA'd that guy. <laughs> totally. I mean, I was just waiting for her to grab those nipple rings and rip them right out. Mm, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> Maybe that's what that that on the floor is. That's the nipple rings. That's Roy's nipple ring. Yeah. I wanted to see him in the next scene with just like blood streaming down his nipples. No, but the, the the music continues nowhere until she ends up saying the rest was a dream. You'll end up just like Linda. I'll bury you right next to her. And the minute he says that, the music cues right back in. Mm. Thank you, Jeff Russo. Thank you, editors. Thank you, people. Because... Then it brings us back to a world where they're like, hey, we're going to bring back music that makes you feel this even more. Ooh. Wow. Harsh, man. All right. Sharpie, let's go to Lorraine's house. All right. So Indira shows up to let Lorraine know that she knows where Dot is, right? 
Um, but remember that Indira is on a deadline uh, for the job offer that Lorraine gave her, yeah. which is to work for her. Um, she comes right in. Lorraine just assumes that she came with her answer, and of course she's going to go. It's it's a yes. Uh, we don't really get that from Indira. She just says, you know, I can't do it anymore. I can't put myself last. You know, it's like when you're on an airplane and you got to put your mask on first, right? Uh, but, but I'm not here to talk about that. Um, so she never really gives an answer. No. Um, she does say, you know, she then goes on to say she knows where uh, Dot is. It's She's at the sheriff's house, blah, blah, blah. We got to go get her. Um, and then, so she doesn't really give a yes or a no. And, but Lorraine says, okay, come with me. You're starting right now. So she, Lorraine kind of makes the decision still for Indira. I mean, I think we were assuming that by saying she's got to start thinking for herself that, or she's got to start putting herself first, that she's taking the job, but she never actually said that. And what's interesting about this to me is that I did go out and read like half a dozen articles <laughs> because when I read the first two, the, what did they, they say? Both said okay, opposite wait, so you, things. You, you, you went out there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I read, uh, I read probably six to eight recaps before this, before recording just this. Just trying to, just trying to figure out what the answer to this was or just in Cause general. I read, yeah. Cause, no, cause I read one and it said she took the job and I read immediately read another one and said she didn't take the job. And then I was curious and it seemed to be about 50, 50. And so then I started talking to my friends and I was like, so what do you think? Did she get the, take the job or not take the job? I'm assuming I'm on the side where she, she's taking the job because Lorraine says, okay, let's go. You're starting now. But what do you think? I'm just, I'm with you. I literally wasn't sure she said, yeah. I was, okay, let's talk about that real quick though. I thought it was a, originally before I thought too hard about it, I just thought it was a, Lorraine knows what's best. And of course you're here to take the job. And what really is at hand here is Indira has just had an incredibly like breaking moment in her life. And she doesn't know what to do with it. And she's been fed a completely separate crisis beyond that. And because of her job and her willingness to serve the public, she has to help this woman in some ways. Like she's saying, I got to put myself first. But what I think she's really saying is when she's putting herself first, she's saying rather than sit around and argue with my Yahoo of a husband, I need to help this person who needs my help. Exactly. And what I think happens early is that Lorraine thinks it's one thing and it's not the other. But yep. you're starting right now. That's the line. That's the line I don't get. And that's where I thought maybe it just got sort of had to be left in in editing mm. to, to be that way. I don't know. If, I don't know. I guess, you know what? We got two episodes left. We'll find if out. If she shows, if the next episode she's not wearing a badge, we'll know. <laughs> and she's driving a black SUV or a Porsche. Well, one has recently come on in the market. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of the articles. Did she take the job? Yes or no? I think ultimately, yes. I think she was going to, but I don't think that's what she was talking about when she first got there. Like you said, when God she's saying, it. I got to put myself first. You just screwed me up. I was going to yeah. say definitively no. And then you said, yes, she did. But that's not what's important now. Right? That's what you meant? Right. Ah, fuck. Yep. Nope. I'm going to stick with, I don't think she takes the job. Okay. All right, so we see a little quick montage from Dot as she breaks the window, looks at the windmill, and reality starts to set in. As this, so this is all happening as Danish Grave pulls up to the Tillman house. 
Um, one of the interesting things about this little montage is as Dot is like thinking about all of things that had recently happened or not happened or were in her dreams or whatever. On the final scene of that little kind of um, montage, I guess, is the, for lack of a better word right now, you see the puppets, you see Roy, uh, the Roy puppet beating the Dot puppet or the Nadine puppet and uh, Marionette. Sorry. The two marionettes before that scene fades into the next scene, the two marionettes fade out from the stage that they're on. And it's very brief, which made me again think like, oh, okay, what is going on? Is any of this real? Anyway. Oof, you were in a tough spiral during this rewatch. I you? was, yeah. Too many edibles. Just kidding. Um, the scene doesn't fade. The marionettes fade from the scene, and you're yes. left with a very brief moment where it's like an empty stage. I'm just yep. trying to help clarify for listeners what you're thinking. Thank you. You're better at that. I think it's not showing us that it was all, all of it was a dream. It's showing us that she was realizing the dream was her working through the thing and that Linda was never really there because Linda's been gone the whole time. Yes, you're exactly right. The real question here, Sharpie, with Danish and Roy, and boy, that flag on the wall seems wonky. What did you make of that? Yeah, so uh, uh, it's a it's a prominent piece in this scene, so we had to look it up, right? That's a, obviously a 38-star flag. Um, I don't know if that has any, any significance to the Tillman story, but I find it uh, pretty amusing, Bill, that... I'm over here recording in Colorado. I'm originally from Fargo. Uh-huh. You're recording in North Dakota, also originally from Fargo. The 38-star flag is the flag that came out when Colorado became the 38th state. And as many of you know, uh, when you add, by law, maybe some of you don't know, by law, a star gets added to the flag on the 4th of July. Um, that's not necessarily when a state enters the union, but that's when the star gets added. So 38 star flag is when Colorado, where I live, became a 38 state. The next flag. So that was in 1876. The next flag comes out in 1890 when North Dakota becomes a state. Yeah. So I, th- I just found that fairly interesting. I'm in Colorado. You're in North Dakota. That's Colorado. That's the flag when Colorado became a state. The next one would be when your state became a state in 1889. The next flag had 43 stars, I believe, officially. North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Washington, Idaho were all added next. Really? That got me wanting to Google, like, flag, U.S. flag history. It is pretty interesting, actually. So I love how tough Danish is acting. He's got such, like, a sweat. Danish has such, like, a puny little sweat. In this scene, hands, in his, he's hands like, in his pockets, kind of roly polying forward. Yeah, he's like, Look, today was bad for you, and you might not think it, but I'm saying it was real bad. <laughs> Roy's like, Whatever, dude. Danish pulls out his finger, his right hand, and snaps his finger like a weapon. And Roy's like, I yeah. have a gun in my drawer. <laughs> Danish is yeah. like, I snapped my finger though. I can help. Yeah, he's like, Look. Look, man, uh, you're going to need a drink for this one. (laughs) Roy's probably half a bottle in the bag already. Oh, God, Um, right? And I can make this go away like that, sucker. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. Pulls out his gun. And what does he say, Bill? (laughs) If you're so smart, 
why are you so dead? Which, Sharvi, you don't know this. I put the clip in the hot dish. Oh, the Simpsons yeah. quote nice. interrupts our conversation, and it's like, if he's so smart, why is he dead? <laughs> I don't know, man. Danish made a lot of calculated errors. This breakfast pastry is full of lead. <laughs> So this episode, um, the way it was to me was sort of a lot of like punctuation marks on some of the things we've seen building up. Yeah. Um, I I honestly didn't think this episode of the podcast was going to be this long because that's how I thought of it. I didn't think anything. I, I didn't think there was too much to explore from like a deep storytelling perspective. Obviously there was, uh, but I didn't think so as much as previous episodes. I thought this was just like a nice like staccato, just like boom, boom, boom. We're getting to the point. Things are wrapping up. Punctuation, <laughs> punctuation, punctuation. Now let's tie it all up with the next two episodes. But uh, clearly, there is more to talk about than I thought. Good episode. Looking forward to the next two. You just, you just never know what you and I are going to get up to in an episode. Two, two things I'd like to ask you about. Dot obviously, sadly, has to watch these things unfold in front of her through the little window on the world they've given her uh, that has truly mm-hmm. shattered her world. Uh, over the last X days, and, and she's very clearly missing her husband, as we learned very early in the episode. Where are they gonna? Where are they gonna? Sharpie, where are they gonna throw Danish graves? Where is his grave gonna be? Under the windmill. And what are they gonna put in there with him? Um. Oh, you didn't look. You didn't read the bag in the truck. No, I didn't. It is potassium hydroxide lye. Yeah, I I was thinking lye, but I thought lye like preserved stuff. Potassium hydroxide lye is actually used widely in agriculture. It is used for a multitude of reasons. Um, It can enrich the soil. It it can change the pH. It can kill things you don't want alive. Mm. Think back to your favorite movie, Fight Club, with Tyler Durden. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, pouring, Pouring, you know, they make soap with it, but immediately you can also, in the right balance of chemicals, you can pour it on a person's hand. It'll start eating them up. Um. Well, what is lutefisk then? I thought that was soaked in lime. It is. <laughs> it's how is that not turned to liquid? Pro- proportions. <laughs> I don't know. That's right. All right, man. All right, looking forward to next oh, week. God, what are we gonna do from here? Chicken piccata. All right. Peace out. All right. Bye now. <laughs>